0: step into our confessional confess all we won't tell anyone (laughs) just the entire nation from greatest hits radio simon mayo's confessions
1: hello hello come in come in all welcome at the confessions podcast saint or sinner and indeed saints are sinners i think that's what we've learned from history that the most saintly are very sinful and the most sinful can be saintly is that? I'm talking something. cobblers. <laughs> wow, this is all theological. Yes. I'm, I'm really
2: impressed, though. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: when you learn about the people who are considered saints, you find yes. out that they did rude things. Mm. That's true. That's Just true. Just pointing that out. Uh huh. Anyway, we're doing another one of these Confessions podcasts,
2: and uh,
1: all the early reviews have been rather fabulous.
2: Yes, they have. Um, Pip in North Yorkshire says, brilliant. It's wonderful that you're back. Please try not to disappear again. Confessions are one of the highlights of the radio. Real humour from real life. Thank you, Simon, Matt, Holly, and all the team. Um, Fantastic listen, says another. A brilliant classic returns. What an absolute delight it was to find this in my podcast library after many months' absence. I forgive them for for keeping me waiting because it is as brilliant as ever thank you to all the powers that have arranged this and uh, finally uh, so so glad you're back doing what you do best confessions please never stop radio hasn't been the same yes. without mm. this amazing podcast welcome back that's right all
1: the listeners to all radio stations everywhere it's have said you know what we're missing yeah yeah mm. yeah and we're missing yeah. that fantastic confessions uh, podcast uh, anyway so uh, let's not fill our heads with too much praise no actually let not... uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Really us to the praise. skies if you'd <laughs> like to write in and praise us to the skies uh, you know it, it's confessions at greatest hits uh, this week on the podcast Matt goes like this yes hello <laughs> <laughs> did I did I do that yes, yes.
2: hello Uh
1: Sister Holly goes... Ooh.
3: Ooh. It's bad. Ooh. It's like a ghost is. in the yeah. <laughs> studio. Uh, visiting
1: sister Jackie Brambles makes an appearance in our classic confession from the crypt. Uh, Jonah finally owns up, uh, his confession crying in the chapel. Johnny Weissmuller's confession is called Brief Encounter. We have Stanley's Trust in Me just in me, plus your messages on the parish notice board. First up, it's Harry's confession. Every man wants to be a
0: macho, macho man. Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone.
1: Bless me, Father Simon, for it's a darn long time since my last confession and my conscience has been haunted by a deed of 24 years ago. Uh, I should say... Uh there's a lot of alcohol um <laughs> nice. good an inappropriate amount of alcohol too oh in, in this, just as I've just so The shame that has haunted my otherwise boring life occurred one warm August evening on a packed intercity train from Paddington Station to the fair town of Reading. Actually, he was quite rude about Reading, but I just thought I wouldn't mention it. Yeah, no. My whirlwind romance that had started the previous October had culminated that afternoon in a phone call at the office from my girlfriend, which she urged me to come home from the city as soon as I could because she had news I instantly surmised that she must be with child and I asked her in no uncertain terms, have you got a bun in the oven, love? (laughs) Right. To which she replied, how did you know? Was it her previous phone requests urging me to engage in Ugandan discussions at odd times? (laughs) Because her temperature was right, we'll never know. Never know. I didn't care how it had happened, frankly, as long as it was mine. I was overjoyed that I was still virile at the age of 38. I was Mr. Fertility, Mr. Macho Man. And being the dutiful boyfriend, I did what any self-respecting northern bloke would do. I went to the pub to celebrate with my work chums. There was plenty of ale quaffing and back-slapping that evening in the Bridget Jones pub, The Globe, at Borough Market in London, and the baby shower, we were a shower after drinking too much, slipped onto the streets of the capital in the early evening, a little the worse for wear. A virile chap, such as me, needed to maintain his strength, so after telling countless people as I swayed from side to side on the tube to Pannington Station, I'm going to be a dad, I'd worked up a monstrous appetite. I ordered the biggest burger I could find from the fast food outlet that sells the chunkier, more manly and virile chips than its (laughs) skinny fry rival and stuffed plenty of tomato sauce sachets into my pocket whilst continually telling all and sundry, I'm going to be a dad. With two steps forward and one step back and gripping the burger and chips, I wobbled onto the fast train to Reading and like any sozzled person worth their salt (laughs) and who is going to be a dad, headed for the buffet car. So now with a can of beer in one hand and the burger bag in the other and muttering, I'm going to be a dad, the train clattered out of the station, sending me from side to side in the buffet car as the carriages rattled over the points. Fellow travellers were forming a queue to be served in the buffet car as they drifted in from other carriages and on losing my balance I clattered into a chap wearing a cream-coloured mac with a briefcase and a scowl who spoke not a word as I apologised and told him going to be a a dad dad. even in my drunken state I thought it odd that on a warm August evening a man would be wearing a cream coloured mac of the type that Inspector Clouseau might sport but hey what did I care I was going to be a dad wedged into a corner of the buffet car my huge burger and chips was devoured with plenty of ketchup all washed down with another beer and after a garbled message of apology to the pregnant one all that was needed was another beer But in overdoing my efforts to de-wedge myself from the corner, I went wobbling over the buffet carriage and into the man in the dodgy cream mac who was queuing up for a second gin and tonic. I am sorry, I said. I'm going to be a dad. I know you are, he said. You've already bumped into me once, you ugly, drunken northern oik. (laughs) well, Like a scene in a western... When two gunfighters in a saloon face off, everybody in the buffet car sucked in their breath, and there was silence as I slurred the words I am ugly, <laughs> I am drunk, I am northern, but I'm not a Noik. And to be honest, I should knock your block off, but you know I don't care because I'm going uh, to be a dad. <laughs> well MacMan made his way to the door as we were approaching Reading Station. Me and the other travelers followed as they whispered and muttered about what had happened. He's going to be a dad, they said. <laughs> At the door, MacMan was by the exit, briefcase in his hand, so it was his obligation to lower the window to open the door when the train stopped at the platform in Reading. But there was a hold-up, and the train was held outside the station. It was enough time for me to get riled. And in my pocket, you might remember, were two sachets of tomato ketchup. Oh, no. And in front of me was the back of a cream mac stretching all the way down to the man's knees. Well, I ripped open the sachets, puffed up my shoulders, and... Put my right hand on my hip Like I was a little teapot So that my fellow travellers could not see As I squeezed the sauce down his coat From collar to the bottom with a sauce embedded in his coat, he leapt from the train in ignorance and did not hear my pièce de résistance as I shouted, You crossed the red line! <laughs> Which, being half-cut, I thought was hugely witty. Yeah, yeah. Father Simon, I ask forgiveness for being a drunken fool that night and making that stupid comment. It was barely comedic. I take solace only in that I put some work the way of a dry cleaner somewhere in Reading, who has benefited enormously yeah. from my rudeness. Uh, Sister Holly will be stern, I know.
3: The man in the white, Mac, wasn't great. I'll give you that. I w- he wasn't very nice. However, he was rude. He was very rude. However, your partner texted you saying that she was pregnant and your first thought was, I'm going to the pub with the lads. You did think can you come home? Can you come home? No, he, he didn't. He just got really, really drunk and thought, oh, isn't it great? I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. But he wasn't actually prepared to take on the responsibility. And that's not very good. And that's why I'm not going to forgive because he wasn't there for his wife and if he had been then he wouldn't have been on the train he wouldn't have been drunk and this never would have happened in the first place he was
1: going to be a dad apparently
2: mm. a brother from another guy I mean he did go home I mean it obviously took a little bit longer than perhaps she was ex- she was expecting but he did he did you know go home and maybe she didn't really want him to have quite so much to drink but he did go home and and also yeah you know the man in the cream mac uh, really objectionable uh, young man that I'm not uh, shedding too many tears for him also cross the red line that's a good gag, that's not bad, it's I not mean right. come on I think that's pretty good uh, and uh, will no one think of the dry cleaners at least they got something out of it so uh, I'm going to forgive Simon
0: Mayo's confessions
2: uh, that was our first confession on the podcast this week from Harry who,
1: who was I don't know if you noticed was going to be a dad
2: you did mention that quite a yeah. lot didn't he? Yeah. Yes.
1: you remember where you were when you found out you were going to be a dad
2: yes I do, I was in the front room with my wife when I found out that I was going to be a dad, what about you Uh yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Wow. Great. Great <laughs> anecdote. These. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Frank Holly. What a, yeah. Oh no. Oh, no. no.
1: <laughs> well. I thought the people's verdict on Harry might have been. Uh, Tougher,
2: But but actually surprisingly forgiving. Forgiven, says Tom. He was excited about becoming a dad. When I got the news, I was similarly telling everyone on the bus. Though thankfully, I wasn't drunk. And Christine says, Harry is forgiven from me. Great story, very funny. I'm sure his lady would have forgiven him too. And he's given us a great giggle. And the dry cleaner's got some business too. It's a win-win for everyone.
1: OK, so uh, that was how uh, Harry's confession went. Uh, very good. Uh, to, we're going to the parish notice Ah, uh, good mm-hmm. news, yeah. Uh, and this is, is, is you listening to this podcast right now. This is your bit. Your questions, your reflections your verdicts on the confessions that you're hearing. It's all very welcome. Matt, what have you
2: So, said? Valerie Haig uh, writes, Hi, Simon, Matt, Holly and all the parish council. I've got a request for a confession I'd love to hear again. The essence of the story was that the female of a couple bought a new pair of knickers every month from a well-known underwear retailer and threw away last month's. So her husband, thinking this was a little extravagant, decided to teach her a lesson by buying another pair of knickers in a considerably smaller size and substituting these for her most recent purchase. Now, as these didn't fit, the lady took them back to the retailer to complain, but as she removed the labels, the refund desk were reluctant to accept them back and things escalated when the manager suggested that Madam's bottom is larger than she thinks. Oh, uh, the loud. lady got a little violent and the police were called. Oh, dear. is always a good sign, yeah.
1: uh, OK, so on the parish <laughs> net, Holly, what have you
2: found?
3: Uh, I've got a little message here. It says, Hello, Holy Confessional Collective. Firstly, top work on the podcast, loved episode one, had me laughing out loud while I sorted the washing and very much looking forward to the next one, so please don't leave it so long this time. Uh, they've also added, I realised when I got to the end of episode one that in the old days you used to have a secret code word oh, that yeah, only yeah. people that listened right to the end would know about, which was great because it made us hoddies All feel like we are in this sort of special club yeah, whenever yeah. you saw the code word popping up on Twitter. Is this something that we can do again on the new podcast? Thanks for the laughs, Maggie.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think it should That's be. That's a great suggestion we should definitely come up with a word well let's come up with a word right now holly come <coughs> up with a word immediately
3: speedos
2: speedos okay that's so, so yeah, 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 speedos yeah, yeah, yeah. uh mm-hmm. that
1: is what do they tweet me is that the thing yeah that's, that's the idea oh, yeah. sweet simon yeah. speedos yeah yeah uh and then it'll look very strange but at yeah. least we'll know you got to this part of the podcast uh, neil in doncaster if I could perhaps make a request for a confession from the crypt, I don't remember much of the details, but I do remember it was about a lady that had bought a new swimming costume for some reason, and while she was on holiday, she climbed a ladder out of the water, and the bottom half of her
2: new costume oh, dropped yeah.
1: down and landed on a man's head. Oh, <laughs> <that was> following him
2: <laughs> up no, that the was Very ladder. good. Very, very uh, good. Yeah, that, yeah, would, yeah. that would be yeah. very nice. Uh, anything set in a swimming pool, I'm always a big fan. Tom from Swansea, would it be possible to resurrect a certain German water park confession from years past? That was certainly one of the best. I I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm struggling to remember which one. We've had a lot based in water parks uh, and uh, quite a lot based on the continent, our continental cousins and their attitudes to uh, being uh, clothed or not.
1: Karen uh, says, fabulous to have this back in my sphere. If you are delving into the realms of the other time, in yeah. the Dark Ages, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. then it has to be the family who convinced their child... That they had had a sibling that had been eaten by a troll under a bridge. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this
0: wow. was
1: this was confessional gold. We'd love to listen to that again. It was so dire, so bad, it was so good. I mean, it really was about a traumatized young child. Just whimsically, they said, "Oh, it looks like a troll under the bridge." Yeah, that's right. you used to have a sister, and uh, the, <laughs> no, the, the, the troll jumped yeah. out and ate her. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And
1: yeah. it was only when they were there the following year that this that the sibling mentioned this and they re- the parents realised that for a whole year they genuinely thought they'd had a brother or sister that had been eaten by a troll in Cornwall
3: Whoa!
2: it's fertile ground the lying to your kids thing and that was that was gold standard that one
1: um, <laughs> Matthew uh, of then Huddersfield now Newcastle on last week's podcast you discussed the Lindbols clock incident uh-huh. in which the item in question was awarded to listener it now transpires had somewhat bent the truth to get his hands on this golden prize I was one of the other contenders for the clock at the time i'd returned all 40 slots on my mum's car radio to a certain (laughs) station
2: so retuned i think that should be yeah yeah, anyway
1: and as a consolation prize for not winning the clock i was awarded a blue lanyard with a certain orange logo on it anyway six years later said lanyard is now looking a bit worse for wear so i'm hoping the greatest hits radio tat cupboard will provide a good opportunity to correct the injustices of time gone by do you think we can find something from the Tat cupboard? Is oh, there a Tat
3: cupboard? Well, we do have a Tat cupboard, yes. Really? Yes, oh, good yes, we news. We do. Although it's filled with very valuable things. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to it's think about tat, it, really. I don't we'll <laughs> have to think about it. That feels like yeah. never going to
2: happen. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have, whenever I asked my parents if we could go to Alton Towers, it was, we we'll will certainly about... have to think about that. Yeah. Lad. We'll There's a Ken Bruce it. box of photos. Yes. So let's... Like, I
3: think we have a few gingerbread Kens w- of him with a Santa hat on, uh, which I will check the best before, it <laughs> yes, to make sure they are edible. <laughs> uh, but if they are, then we, we can send a couple of those. I mean, the clue is, is that, that he's
2: wearing good. a Santa hat. Yes. For,
3: yeah, and also, and also <laughs> some photographs. Uh, f- yeah. Some photographs
1: of Ken. Yes. yes. Ken in all positions. So, so we'll send friendly. those. So, uh, you, yes, get in touch for the notice board. Send us stuff. Uh, confessions at greatest hits radio.co.uk. Now we're going to have a look at uh, producer Holly's not-for-broadcast file. Mm. These are the confessions that didn't actually make the cut for reasons of regularity compliance which means Holly can't let them appear on the radio but much to Matt's delight the podcast is a sleaze fest
2: yes indeed (laughs) it is actually it's not and as as regular (laughs) people will know
1: things aren't included for a whole variety of reasons Mm. like breaking the law um Susan, who halfway through a job interview, twigged that her prospective new employer might have mixed her CV up with another applicant called Sue, who sounded considerably more qualified for the job. Naturally, she kept quiet and just nodded in agreement when, to her surprise, she found out she achieved a first in computer science (laughs) from (laughs) Oxford University. Susan has just celebrated 20 years in this very company and still nobody knows that they hired the wrong Sue. That's a very good one,
2: I think. Uh, One we would definitely never do is the one from brian i'm not going to go into the details brian but basically you can't use your work franking machine to send those kinds of packages ever so no that's no that's never getting through and certainly even from me would not be forgiven
3: absolutely no the final one here, we have got michael who needs to ask himself for some searching moral questions after he shamelessly let the young apprentice take the blame when he accidentally filled the works van with diesel instead of petrol and still had the goal to tell the apprentice that this was something he could learn from yeah
1: yeah see i could have read i could have read that one was it just too
2: reprehensible i i mean it doesn't nobody comes out of it well do they no really? i cannot i cannot think Anyway, so
0: should have gone through? Yeah,
1: send us stuff. Uh, if it, but in general, as we said many times, if you break the law in a confession, yeah, no. it won't get broadcast on the radio. We no. might use it in the podcast.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Know, yes. I
1: broke into my neighbour's house and I stole his piano.
3: <laughs> Maybe not. I'm going to
2: say that's not getting on.
1: But no? yeah, yeah, no, oh, okay. Yeah. A piano?
3: <laughs> that would be impressive, though. That's I want why. To know. That's yeah.
2: why I didn't yeah. do that. true. Yeah.
1: Uh, Anyway, okay. so back to the confessions that did make the cut and this is Jonah's tale, Crying in the Chapel.
0: Something to confess. Simon Mayo's confessions.
1: Simon, my confession is a seasonal one. I would like to start by apologising profusely to the ice sculptors of Sweden and the world and a group of hotel residents. The confession starts in the summer of 2001. I was watching the TV one evening and was mesmerised by a travel programme. Within this travel programme was a segment dedicated to the Ice Hotel in Kiruna in Sweden. The place was absolutely amazing, an entire hotel and winter venue made of ice, ice baby. I was blown away. I definitely had to visit. Over the next year, I carefully planned my trip, flights and accommodation within the Ice Hotel. December 2002 arrived and two weeks before Christmas I boarded the flight from London Heathrow to Stockholm and then to Karuna. I was met at the airport by a dog sled team who helped me change into full winter gear before being dog sledded to the Ice Hotel, if that's the correct word. Mm. The place was amazing. The entire hotel complex was made of ice and a large section of the hotel consisted of 40 rooms, each designed by a different sculptor from a different country. This point in time I was a keen photographer and so had taken many, many photos as I couldn't quite believe my eyes during the day. The residents of the hotel would vacate their rooms and the complex was open to day-trippers who could pay an entry fee to walk around the hotel like it's an art gallery. Well, on the complex was an ice chapel where they held weekend prayer, weddings and a carol service each evening in the run-up to Christmas. Well, it was early evening. It was dark outside and the glow of candlelight coming through the ice bricks that made the chapel caught my eye. My immediate thought was how wonderful this was and so I decided to enter the chapel to take photographs. There in front of me was a chapel completely made of ice. Each side of the room was lined with ice pews covered with reindeer skins and at the very end of the chapel was a large ice pulpit. Pit and an ice altar, and in front of the ice altar was a large religious ice sculpture. Lots of ice. Oh, yeah, really yeah, 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 I was blown away by the silence and serenity and started snapping photos like there was no tomorrow. The ice sculpture was made out of crystal clear ice. Stalagmites and stalactites arranged to look like shooting stars and crucifixes. Description in words simply cannot do this justice. I looked at the sculpture and made the decision that I w- could wind my way in between the stalagmites and the stalactites like a secret spy dodging laser beams to the final point of the mission which was the ice pulpit. I made my move as I was doing very well, three-quarters of the way through the sculpture. Suddenly I realised that the final part of the journey was up a slight incline. I carried on up the slope, feeling like the milk tray man on a secret mission. Oh, there's this a reference. an old TV commercial for chocolates. Oh. Right, cool. <laughs> suddenly my left foot slipped. I put out my right hand, "'I still fell to the floor. "'At this point, dressed in four layers of winter clothing, "'I looked like a fattened winter seal, "'and I rolled down the incline "'and ended up back where I'd started. "'I got up, brushed the ice off my face picked up my camera and looked around in dismay. I had managed to roll down the ice incline and had smashed every stalactite (laughs) stalactite within the display. The crucifixes now resembled ice cubes. If I'd been ten-pin bowling, it would have been a strike. I had destroyed the chapel. (laughs) Wow. I was mortified. Anyway, I got my breath, brushed myself down. I had no option but to run away. I took a quick look to the left and to the right when I got to the chapel door. Nobody was outside. I made a move, ran for the hotel reception. I turned left and went and had a few stiff drinks at the ice bar, obviously. Obviously. After a few drinks to calm my nerves, I decided to settle into my ice bed for the night. Obviously. Wow, what a tempting thing that sounds (laughs) like. Yeah. (laughs) Woke up in the morning, got dressed and headed down to breakfast. As I entered the reception area of the hotel, I could tell that chaos was in the air. I turned and asked the fellow guest what was going on, at which point he explained that him and his wife had woken to find the hotel staff in great distress. As late in the evening, a member of staff had discovered immense vandalism in the ice chapel. The entire display had been destroyed. I had no option but to pretend to be mortified and to go along and join in with everyone else's sorrow at the sight before me, the smashed and destroyed display in the chapel. The hotel staff were uncontrollably crying with upset and dismay that someone could do this. There was immense shock and disgust at the perpetrator of the crime. Later that day, a sign appeared outside the Ice Ice Chapel, clearly stating that it was closed due to vandalism. Mm. Vandalism! Oh, there it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. sign <laughs> stated, close till further notice. The hotel staff were carrying out intensive investigations and questioning everybody, looking for the ice vandal. I continued with my story that I had heard and seen nothing. To this very day, I've never admitted my accident to anybody as I was truly embarrassed. I have been unable to look at the hundreds of photos that I've taken. However, the time has come to seek forgiveness from all the staff, residents and sculptors... Of the Karuna Ice Hotel in December 2002. I am very sorry for the accident that I had, and I'm even more sorry for the dishonesty I showed in going along with the other hotel guests in showing and declaring my innocence. Well, I think what was uh, what's interesting about this story, apart from the fact that it's definitely the coldest story that we've had, nice fade, yeah. is that... I think he's genuinely appalled by by what he did. If he took hundreds of photographs and he still hasn't looked at any of them, and it's two decades Goodness. ago, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's genuinely sorry, but that will not melt the cold
2: heart <laughs>
3: of <laughs> producer Holly. It's not great, is it, really? Uh, you know, these sculptures have been, you know, sculpted uh, for, I'm sure for hours and hours. I'm sure it takes a very, very long time to put those art sculptures together, and he just ruined them in one failed swoop. Not good at all, really. Also, So why are you staying at the Ice Hotel? It just sounds very, very cold. I wouldn't want to do that. And so that's why I'm not going to forgive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <It does.
2: laughs> because you don't like, like the ice hotels. Yeah, it out. sounds
3: dreadful. Why would you want to lie on a block of ice? Um,
2: <laughs> I'm sure it has uh, uh, no some electric qualities. blankets. I'm I think guessing. they filmed some James Bond films. Probably, ones. Yeah. yes. The one where was all going gutter. down the Swanee. Um, nice milk tray reference, I thought. Uh, in the in the middle of that, I'm definitely going to forgive, um, and, and mainly because it's the design, isn't it? The design's the problem. I don't remember there being stalagmites and stalactites in a normal chapel, but they decided to put them in this chapel. Well, it's an, an ice, ice chapel. Treasure, oh, that's Yes, well, that strikes me as a bit of a design flaw. And if you're going to put the static mice and static ties into your ice chapel, then this is—you reap what you sow, don't you? As I'm—I'm I'm sure that was in the chapel also. And, and a very good ice, ice baby reference there. Certainly made me stop, collaborate, and listen.
0: Yes. Oh so for God. that reason, I'm going to oh. forgive. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. Simon Mayo's Confessions uh, Sid
1: sends in tonight's confession Thank you, Sid Father Simon, Brother Matt and Sister Holly, Susie Katie Please bless me because I have definitely sinned I thought when I retired from the police service my urge to scare people would fade into oblivion An interesting opening line Okay. But Father Simon, I confess the urge never really left me I moved outside of town when I retired and became friends with a guy named Dan who kept a pet python. Oh! Hilariously, he called it Monty. No uh, idea where he yeah, got that yeah. idea from. I have to say, I'm not great with snakes, but I got invited round one day to see Monty. By the time I did not know what to expect, but all fears were dispelled when I saw Monty living in its giant vivarium, a veritable Ritz Hotel of a vivarium. It had everything a self-respecting python could want. Temperature and humidity control, a place to curl up and sleep, a tree it could climb, and some rocks it could lie under, and a plunge pool. A plunge. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't have that. No. It also dined on the finest diet of dead rats, baby chicks, and rabbits. Sorry about that. I think uh, but that's nature. <laughs> it's nature. That's the yes. way. Red in tooth and claw. Mm. I think I may have overdone the enthusiasm over meeting Monty, because a few weeks later, Dan announced he had a present for me. Oh dear. I shuddered to think what it could possibly be. Maybe Monty had some baby Monty's and he was going to proudly present me with one. But I needn't have worried. What I actually received was Monty's recently shed skin. Uh, oh, Carefully wrapped up in a Sainsbury's bag. Oh, of course. Obviously nothing to do with Sainsbury's. <laughs> <bag>. and,
0: <laughs> no.
1: Where good snake skin costs less. Yes. When I showed my wife... She yelled at me, get it out of the house, and she made me promise that I'd thrown it into the wheelie bin. Actually, I kept it in the garden shed, waiting for an appropriate moment, and I didn't have to wait long. My next-door neighbour, let's call him Neville, who had recently (laughs) moved in, was an OK kind of bloke, but he was forever telling me how brave he was and all the confrontations with people who annoyed him. I put it down to the fact that he was vertically challenged, so he had to make up for it somehow. One day, whilst regaling me with his tales of daring do he did let slip that he was afraid of one thing, and you'll never guess. It was snakes. Of course. Well, I reverted back to my old self and started to put together a cunning plan. First of all, I had to sow the seeds, so a few weeks later, whilst having a chat with Nev, I dropped into the conversation that someone living a short distance away had spotted a large snake in their garden. Large snake, says Nev, with furled eyebrows. How large... The largest snakes we have in this country are grass snakes. They're not very big. Well, it was described as large, I said, and this seemed to do the trick. Nev and his wife, Stella, were keen gardeners and were always pottering around in their immaculate back garden, but I noticed that they were carefully examining any large bushes just to be sure. (laughs) They were easily startled by any sudden noises. I felt the time was right and that night would be right. And I would strike. Enough. I waited until all the lights were out next door and I carefully sneaked out into my back garden with Monty's shed skin in my hand. I coiled it up and noiselessly tossed it over into Nev's lawn. I have to say, Father, the skin ended up in the perfect position, coiled like a serpent, ready to strike. Next morning, I was enjoying a cup of tea (laughs) when there was some furious thumping on my door. Nev stood there, breathless, white as a sheet and trembling all over. That snake's on my lawn! (laughs) I went with Nev to his rear lawn. There, there. No, there, there. Then I said, there, there. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I cautiously approached the skin, very bravely, I think, and then announced... No, it's OK, it's just a skin. Look, the snake has gone. It's probably gone inside.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he inside. likes the warm. Have yeah, you checked yeah. your airing cupboard?
1: <laughs> I picked up the skin and said, look, it's empty. Do you want me to get rid of it? Oh, yes, please, said Neville. Yes, please. Father Simon, this almost backfired on me because the next day someone from the local veterinary college called at my house and asked if he could see the snake skin. Apparently, Nev had contacted them to say how scared he was that it was in the utility room or somewhere warm inside his house and there was a snake on the loose. I told him I'd thrown it away, but it did look like a python skin to me and he was satisfied and he left. For the next few weeks, I watched Nev and Stella nervously trying to attend to their garden whilst gingerly searching (laughs) any likely hidden places. I don't know if there was any connection, but within a year they had moved to Australia.
2: <laughs> oh, There's right. Loads of snakes yeah. there. <laughs> um, there are, I just Australia.
1: checked, 170 <laughs> land snakes in Australia. More toxic venom in Australia than any other continent. So, maybe there are other reasons. <laughs> I ask for your forgiveness, Father Simon. Firstly, for scaring the pants off Nevin Stella and secondly, for wasting the veterinary officer's time. I promise that my days of scaring people are truly over. Keep up the good work. Your show is brilliant. So, yes. uh, obviously, that's mitigating Correct. there yeah. from yes. Sid at the end. Hissing Sid. OK, so... Uh, uh, I don't know. I I think a stern line is going to... I'm just looking at Sister, I think... Mm she's not impressed.
3: No, I'm, I'm not impressed with this one, really. Uh, to start things off, who has a friend which gives you their pet snake skin? Well, that sounds a bit gross and a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, a strange friend, Dan. I- I'm not sure about him. Uh, but also I thought that was very unfair. Neville wasn't that bad a neighbour. He sounded okay. I-, I understand that he was sort of trying to be the big man and that's mildly irritating, but did he really deserve to have that cruel trick played on him? I don't think he did. And for that reason, I'm not going to forgive. I don't think it was very nice.
1: I'm out. Uh, You always need to check your airing cupboard at all times, just in case there's Mm.
2: uh, a... A python? A python. <laughs> right. There, don't you think that's <laughs> advice no, no, from no, Australia? No. OK. I mean, I have to say, am I the only one that thinks a bit of shed snakeskin sounds very rock and roll? I wouldn't mind some sh- shed snakeskin. It sounds like, yes, have that around and go, oh, yes, look at my shed snakeskin. What are you going to do with it? Uh, I'm Wrap just going to drape you'll... it over my shoulders uh, and be very <laughs> rock and roll. Um, I'm going to forgive I'm also... Sure be really impressive. Yes, they yeah. will definitely love it. Um, I mean, darling, I have a Yes, snake indeed. Covered. Why is he getting in contact with with the vet college. I don't understand that. It's nothing to do with the vet college. It was either a snake or there wasn't. And it turns out there was, but it was not in his back garden. And also, he's going to Australia where there's so many things desperate to kill you. One country with all of that venom. No thanks very much. Uh, So, yes, forgiven.
0: Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone.
1: Father Simon brother from another gutter sister holly brother john martin luther phil and don this is a paul mccartney reference Mm -hmm. my tale goes back some 24 years to when i was just turning 40 a high-flying human resources executive with a global team and the world at my feet Actually, my feet had succumbed to the ravages of age and along with my hips, knees and ankles, I was beginning to feel the pain of too many miles on the road and on my body clock. In particular, I had a knee problem from a football injury some 20 years earlier. So under my wife's guidance, I sought help from my GP. He advised me to take up swimming as it's great for cardiovascular and, of course, the joints. By the way, a PG certificate oh, really? on today's tale. Hello. Anyway, my career soon took on a new life in relatively nearby Guildford, and for the first time in ten years, I was able to commute by car, door to door, in about 30 minutes to my swanky new job. I worked out that I could now leave home at the same time that I used to do catch the 650 train, but I could spend that time more fruitfully and enjoyably in the local swimming pool for 40 minutes and still be in the office an hour before I used to. Everyone was winning. This was great. My cunning plan was to swim three times a week, until that is one particular Monday morning. My army-like planning and routine had me fill in my swim bag the night before, as my dad always drilled into me, he was ex-army, that to fail to plan is to plan to fail.
2: Very good. Mm, Something yeah, to remember. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, in went the clean underwear, socks, a food bar, a banana, and my bottle of juice for the post swim. Plus, of course, my towel, swim goggles, and the best Speedo swim shorts that a Weismuller could buy. Johnny Weismuller. Johnny The yeah, swimming yeah, yeah. reference mm. I mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah. This Monday morning, I kissed my lovely wife a cheerio, put on my tracksuit, grabbed my swim bag and suit for later adornment, drove at my normal speed with appropriate parking and then walked briskly into the sports centre, paid my £3.80 and made my way to the changing cubicles. I was a man on a mission and my mission was to get my 40 lengths done and get over that pesky Hogsback A3 intersection a notorious oh
3: it's bad is it, it bad? Is bad it is if you get yeah. a train that's
1: fine oh no, no trains no, no
3: trains oh. <laughs> so anyway
1: I'm in the changing cubicle and I have this down to a fine art track suit off empty bag of speedos and goggles put speedos on put bag in locker and head to the pool it's important to avoid all eye contact with attendants and fellow swimmers as we have no time to chat we must swim and be on our way all the healthier for our swimming pool experience except today I put my hand in my bag Food bar? Check. Banana? Check. Drink? Check. Towel? Check. Goggles? Check. Clean socks? Check. Underwear? Oh, no underwear. And Speedos? Oh, no Speedos. The black Speedos. The Speedos that are always in the bag, as I always put them in there the night before from the drying rail in the cupboard. Desperation is setting in and a dawning realisation, where are my Speedos? Despite looking into the bag several times and turning it upside down several times, as one does, there are no underpants and worryingly no black Speedos in there. Black size L with a smart logo, you know them, they must be in here somewhere, but... No. Father Simon, there was something else in there, something a little different from my black Speedos. Yes, here they were. Oh, a pair of navy blue, high-legged ladies briefs, size 10. No logo, but with the Marks and Spencers label, clearly distinctive. What is a man to do? I needed to swim. I was cold. I was standing there naked. It's 7am. It's January. I've paid my £3.80. It was a long cold walk back to the car. The swimming lane was empty. The hog's back was piling up and I needed a warm shower after my swim. So on they went. They were not a good fit, Father Simon, as they were my wife's navy blue size 10 high-legged M&S briefs. Labelled clearly distinctive, I moved swiftly like a panther. Well, just like any panther in navy blue knickers would, towards the pool and jumped in before (laughs) anyone could see me. (coughs) However, it's only when you get into the water that the problems really start. Mm. These briefs are clearly cut for a lady. They are not lycra swimwear and they are certainly not men's lycra swimwear. I did a few lengths, but it was no good. The more I kicked, the more... I became aware <laughs> of loose change, and yes. also, worryingly for for me, other swimmers, all wearing goggles, could clearly see oh, what was happening okay. below deck. Yeah, I, I made a hasty retreat to the changing rooms and onwards to my desk. I don't remember the bit in between. <laughs> Father Simon, I seek forgiveness from you and your collective for my many sins here. Firstly, to my wife for making her briefs subsequently unwearable, despite giving her many okay. laughs over this true story ever since. To my fellow swimmers on that morning for presenting them with something more than their £3.80 fee... Mm-hmm. To my HR colleagues and profession, having just introduced the new dress code policy that included a dress down Friday, this was in clear contravention of my own policy, namely turning up to work without my underwear. I have not listened to the bangles since. <laughs> yours. <laughs> yours. Oh, very, uh, Johnny very good. Johnny Weismuller. Not my real name. HR director, Hogsback County Jail. Yeah. Well, we're starting in a traditional style, I guess <laughs> you could say. Uh, mm. Sister Holly.
3: The thing that that I don't understand about this is why didn't he just not go swimming that morning? Just go for a shower. You could have just... Given it a skip for that morning, oh. just not worried about it. The briefs were never going to work. What in what world, on what planet, did you think that was going to work for you and that it was gonna hold everything in? It's not going to, so don't bother and just go to work without your swim. So not forgiving for that reason, for pure stupidity, really.
2: Pure stupidity, very good. Brother from another. I alligator. mean, hold everything in. That's how we're starting
3: the year, isn't it? <laughs> and,
2: yeah, no, I'm gonna forgive. Uh because I mean he was it plays into my new new year's resolution which i make every year and break every year which is i'm going to swim more and when you get there when you've got and you've got your your mind into the position where you're thinking i'm definitely going to be swimming i'm definitely swimming turns out i've not brought the kit all right well i'll just wear whatever i've got um and it was obviously a mistake and it didn't quite you know work out how he was hoping um but uh, just for the bangles reference at the end definitely forgiven simon mayo's
0: confessions
2: an awful lot of the uh, favourite confessions
1: do involve a degree of source. (laughs) (laughs) And even though there was
0: no intended
1: source there, uh, it was the juxtaposition of changing for the the, uh, swimming and uh, his wife's briefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just made it inherently funny. Which uh, uh,
2: it goes back to what we were saying before, doesn't it? So many great confessions based in the swimming pool because we're all, uh, you know, uh, dressed less... <laughs> uh, when we're in a swimming pool. <laughs> Dress less, that's definitely a phrase. Uh, few, we wear for your we, clothes. We wear for we <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and, so, and so it's always going to be uh, sitcom kind of stuff, isn't it really? Is that right? Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. so uh, who knows what the public are going to make of that? Well, this is what you sent in.
2: Totally easy to forgive this one, says James in Perth. When you're packing things in the dark the day before, I can totally imagine how speedos and knickers could get confused. Uh, Daff in Pollard's Hill says, definitely forgiven. Despite the knowledge that they wouldn't work, you have to admire the determination to get the lengths in. And Dave says, absolutely not forgiven. Why didn't you say you worked in HR at the beginning? There was bound to be a silly decision somewhere down the line.
1: <laughs> I love the amount of... Comp- that's gone into... uh, Yes, I'm very happy with (laughs) that. Why don't I sound like that all the time? That makes you sound... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Like a processor in your throat. So into the crypt next for a classic confession picked this week by Lydia Rowe. It was quick off the mark and sent us this... Father Simon, in the aggregation of absolution. Delighted to have you all back in service at the parish. I've long been a devotee of confessions across what must now be several dioceses. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nicely done. Yeah. So I was thrilled to hear you briefly reunited with Sister Jackie Brambles last year, just like the good old days. Any chance of resurrecting the monkey business confession about the guy who proposes to his girlfriend in the bank... I worked for a bank back in the 80s, and I knew security managers exactly like the one in the confession, so it brought back a few memories, and it had me in stitches. Uh, Yours faithfully, Lydia Rowe. Okay, so this week's Confession from the Crypt, as requested by Lydia, it's Robert's Confession, which we called at the time, Gee, Cousin Louis, You're Doing Real Good.
0: Something to confess. Simon Mayo's Confessions.
1: Well it's confession time Uh, Let's gather our crew together There's uh, the brother from another gutter Yep. Uh, Light Jackie Bramble's uh, special secluded studio In the elite part of the world In which she has chosen to live (laughs) There you go That's that's as specific as we're going to get Today's confession uh, comes from Robert Robert, thank you very much indeed for this Which says, uh, Father Simon, Brother Matt And the unforgiving Sister Jacqueline That's very true this is a story that's become folklore and the history, I'm afraid to say, I have not passed on, I have not told most of my closest friends. So hear my confession. Back in the mid-'80s in Glasgow, I met the most wonderful girl from the other side of the city, lived in a posh area and had a highfalutin job in a bank. She was beautiful, fun and too sophisticated for the likes of me. As my father said, you are dreaming, boy. <laughs> Thanks, Dad, for all your support there. Yeah. So I decided it was time to secure the love of my life and propose marriage to my dream girl, and what better way to do it than to do it at work? So I promptly wrote to the bank where she worked and asked for permission to visit the computer centre and propose. To my delight, they wrote back shortly afterwards, granting my request, but asked me to phone their head of security and consumer relations to arrange it. Well, Tiresome Timothy was a screechy-voiced, snobby head of security who decided that he would be orchestrating the event with all the, quote, bank-related process and procedure that he felt would be appropriate. He said many times, there will be no monkey business. And he went... (laughs) He went on to explain over the next four weeks how the security of the bank computer centre was similar to visiting the vault itself, and I'd be under no illusions about the serious nature of this. I had to phone tiresome Timothy twice a week to listen to his updates and dreary rantings about the privilege. The agreement, if it could be called that, was that I would appear at the bank reception, present myself to security at 3pm, be taken to a waiting lounge before being escorted to the operations centre. I would offer myself in, hand over the flowers and be ejected at the rear staff entrance at 3.12, having done my proposal." Operator three o nine eight would be at the input portal, and I would be allowed. I wouldn't be allowed beyond that space. Wait a minute, I said. Her name is Lizzie. <laughs> I don't. She's not operator three o nine eight. Irrelevant young man. I was told the <laughs> bank needs to maintain security protocol. There will be no monkey business <laughs> no, at <okay>. the bank. <laughs> it sounds like it's in Mary Poppins. Yeah. Is? Anyway, the appointed day arrived and I had secreted a day's holiday from work and borrowed a car so that I could be in the city near the bank for the right time. I headed off really early so that I would get a decent parking space and be sure to get there on time. 3pm it was, and I approached Fort Knox and presented myself at security to be checked, an uncomfortable frisking, and afterwards I met (laughs) Manager Jim, who took me to the fifth floor, uh, staff toilets to get dressed and be ready. On a knock at the door, I emerge to face tiresome Timothy and Jim to go through to the computer centre. Now, this is where I should have said that whilst I was... W- this is an unlikely paragraph. We're okay. taking an unlikely turn here. Okay. This is where I should have said that whilst I was waiting in the car, I noticed a fancy dress shop, and I hired a gorilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> I hired a gorilla suit, and I bought a, a very four- large monkey. Yes, absolutely. And I bought a four-foot inflatable banana.
2: <laughs> oh, I promptly
1: rushed to the car and blew up the banana, and then subsequently fainted from the effort, only to be roused by two women who'd Seen my plight and dragged me from the car to revive me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit, I, anyway. So, Tiresome Timothy was incensed. I told you no monkey business, he bellowed. <laughs> I responded by saying that a gorilla was an ape uh, and yeah, not a monkey. That's
0: true, that's true. Which
1: set manager Jim into fits of laughter as Tiresome Timothy shriveled like a crisp packet in the oven and he disappeared. After manager Jim had controlled himself, he let me into what looked like the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, and my future fiance was stationed at the control console, looking amused as we approached. Anyway, in my outfit, I recited a love poem that I had shakily scribbled on my banana. She was, res- <laughs> oh, again, oh, she responded with many yeses to the delight of her friends and workmates, and the assembled press took lots of photos. The assembled press had turned up because <laughs> the bank had arranged that and asked questions for the next hour before manager Jim escorted us back to reception and told Karen to take the rest of the day off. I haven't had as much fun in the bank for 20 years, he said. <laughs> we even got featured in the Scottish National Press the next day and beat Chancellor Nigel Lawson to a page two feature. See, attached <laughs> clipping. And he says, attach the clipping as well. So it definitely happened. Anyway, I seek forgiveness for my prank, not from tiresome Timothy, who really treated me like a, uh, like a tedious task, and not from my long-suffering wife, uh, who treated the whole thing as a fun day and been constantly laughing about it for 35 years of marriage. I would like forgiveness from the bank customers who would have had to accommodate delayed checkbooks, statements and transactions, especially after I knocked the mag tapes over with my large banana (laughs) as I attempted the best gorilla strut (laughs) that I could manage. I know he's pushing it now. I think he's definitely (laughs) pushing it. I'm grateful to the bank, uh, now absorbed into some modern conglomeration, and to your listeners, I hope they'll be lenient. Uh, Okay, uh, Sister Jackie, what do you make of this uh, confession from the bank from Robert?
3: Well, I'm going to go against type here, and you know, love conquers all, uh, as well as inflatable bananas and and men in large gorilla suits. So, yes. yeah, I'm I, you are forgiven. You are forgiven, especially because it's 35 years on and you're you're still together. That's still so lovely.
1: What an extra, what an extraordinary. Uh proposal of marriage that was brother from another yeah girl. i
2: mean as a, as a rule i i tend to be against proposals of marriage in the workplace i don't think it works really no. uh i know no i'm very very much against that but i think in this case i'm definitely going to forgive because a uh, genius move by dressing up as a gorilla and pointing out <laughs> that that is an ape and not a monkey well done and the four foot banana with the love poems on it even better so yes i'm going to be forgiven
1: I think what you're getting at, Matt, is people who show off in their... Oh, um,
2: show off. ...declaration of love. If you want to propose to someone...
1: You know, a, a, a gentle, quiet one in a cafe
2: or a restaurant, quiet right. yes. or back yes. in your house. Yeah, mm. yeah. Don't do it at football matches. Don't do it in. Fr- don't do it in front of other people. I didn't do it in front of other people. I did it in a field. That's the way you do it. That's where you in, you, a, field. in a In a field. field. I mean, wow. it wasn't planned. It was. Uh, it, wasn't it was supposed to be Well, it was supposed to be somewhere you didn't else. Mean it? Well, no, I did where mean was it. Obviously,
3: to
2: be? <laughs> it was supposed to be at the uh, bottom of a monument somewhere uh, that I thought would be very romantic. It turned out it smelled entirely of urine around there so I thought I don't, want this. Right. I don't want this to be the smell that we associate with this special moment so I did it in a field instead In, but, but crucially not in front of other people no one wants to see it no. none of us want to see you proposing uh, keep, keep. Keep it to yourself. Don't
1: arrange a flash mob. Also, oh, no. Also, God. don't propose on an ice rink. You're not in a Richard Curtis <laughs> movie. I think they're the rules.
2: Yes, I think uh, so, anyway, yeah.
1: Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Uh, producer Holly loves nothing more than a trip to the dank basement to dig all these old confessions out Absolutely. so if you've got a request for a classic confession send us the details as much as you can remember please to confessions at greatest hits radio.co.uk I will just quickly remind you um, to do the follow and the like and the subscribe thing do it Ooh, yes. do all of those Click, Yes. tick and send us money anyway <laughs> tell all your fr- that was, that was a don't t- no <laughs> tell it. all your send friends us money, yeah. that Simon Mayo's confessions podcast is back and if you do have a confession we would love to hear it and all, please send it to confession. If it's got no warts, we're not interested because that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, mm. confessions at greatestitsradio.co.uk. Until next time, Sister Holly says goodbye now. Goodbye now. Matt says goodbye now.
2: Goodbye now. Thank you for listening.
0: Simon Mayo's Confessions. Want to confess? Simon Mayo would love to hear your story. He may even keep it to himself. He definitely won't keep it to himself. Send gory details, please, to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Yay!
3: Marvellous. Yes! Hello. (laughs) Ooh! It's bad.
0: Yes! Hello.
3: Ooh! It's bad. Yes!
0: Hello. Wow.
2: Uh, It's like Jive Bunny and the Master (laughs) Mix. There we
1: go.